the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show. Sponsored by ServiceMaster of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. Remember Paul Manafort. He was Donald Trump's campaign manager in 2016, and uh, you may have noticed he got him elected. He also got himself thrown into prison for a couple of years after uh, being convicted of tax evasion and bank fraud. Of course, that was after being a target, um, one of the early targets in the Mueller investigation. He has a book out. It's called Political Prisoner, Persecuted, Prosecuted, But Not Silenced. It's full of great stories. I read a good uh, bit of it just in the last couple of days. And the story is not just about uh, his fight against what Donald Trump called a witch hunt in his own fight uh, against uh, his conviction, but his time in prison and his time spent getting President uh, Trump elected. It's all good stuff. And also the early days of his administration. Of course, he also talks about the accusations of collusion with Russia and why the Washington establishment hated him, uh, meaning Donald Trump, of course, so much. Uh, Paul Manafort will be my guest at a little after 5.30 today, three questions I'll ask him are if he thinks Trump will run in 2024, if he'll win, and if he's surprised that the uh, FBI raided Donald Trump's house. Meanwhile, the big guy signed uh, the Inflation Reduction Act into law yesterday. And when we come back, you're going to hear an expert tell you to hold on to your wallet. Stick around. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwall. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. Have you ever thought you'd like to buy and sell houses but didn't know how or where to get the money? My name is Ron Legrand, and over the past 40 years, I've bought over 3,000 houses without using my money or credit and taught thousands to do the same. Today, even in a virtual environment, we buy nice houses in nice neighborhoods using no banks, realtors, contractors, or other costly entanglements, and build huge cash flow and wealth without the hassle of tenants, all without credit and little or no money. You don't need a license or experience, and I'll show you exactly how it's done. Text RON to 99799, and I'll send you my free training. I promise I'll change the way you think about real estate and open the door to a new lifestyle that doesn't involve risk or rehabs and can quickly replace your current income. Text RON to 99799 and let me show you how to take your life back and build cash flow and wealth from your home. That's RON to 99799. Again, text RON to 99799. My dog was scratching and shedding like crazy around the house. When I heard about Dynavite Nutritional Supplement, I thought, why not? Couldn't hurt. We literally tried everything else. Our dog quickly took to it, and after a couple of weeks of adding Dynavite to his food, we noticed a big difference. Our little gizmo's coat was shinier, and he almost completely stopped shedding and itching. I can't wait to see how well it helps him with his allergies as the seasons change and he's in the yard more. I'm so glad I tried Dynavite. My dog smelled so bad and scratched herself constantly. We bathed, sprayed, and bathed her again, but no results. 
Then I heard about Dinovite supplements for gut health, and all of the reviews sounded just like my Bella. After just two weeks, she had major improvements with the smell, and no more scratching or dragging her stomach across the carpet. And her coat is more beautiful than ever. Happier, healthier with every bite. Over a million pets helped with Dinovite. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call Select Quote at 1-800-690-4040. That's 1-800-690-4040. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1-800-690-4040. That's 1-800-690-4040. Select Quote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, a big guy uh, came home from the beach yesterday to sign the Inflation Reduction Act into law. Uh, nobody can explain how it's going to reduce inflation, but that's not the point, of course. Katie Tubb is a policy analyst for economic studies at the Heritage Foundation. She's here to tell you to hold on to your wallet. Katie, thanks for coming on. You know, thanks for having me. So how bad is it? Oh, it's pretty bad. And, and to be honest, it's been kind of a discouraging year for uh, American taxpayers because we've had the Inflation Quote-Unquote Reduction Act, but we've also had a, a very large uh, CHIPS China bill, and we've also had the infrastructure bill. So we're talking about trillions of dollars in the last 365 days uh, that are being put on the backs of American taxpayers. And in this particular law, the Inflation Reduction Act, I think uh, it is about as an Orwellian a title as you can come up with, uh, because it will not uh, combat inflation. And in fact, I think it actually feeds inflation. So the short of it is it's not uh, not a good day for Americans. It's uh, this this particular one, I guess, is three hundred and sixty nine billion dollars. Where is that money going? I know it's spread around, but where where what are they doing with it? Well, the $369 billion is actually just a piece of the bill, and it's the uh, energy and climate spending. Uh, and it, it's basically a list of, of handouts to politically favored technologies. So it's a lot of uh, tax credits, loans, uh, grants to wind, solar, those kinds of technologies. There's a lot of programs for uh, the EPA, Department of Interior, to, for example, hire more employees. Um, you know, there's, uh, I'll, I'll call it or what the bill calls environmental justice. So $60 billion for environmental justice, which means anything from electric post office vehicles to grants for educational programs, which I think we can all assume is uh, an avenue for activists to scare children about global warming. So uh, n- Think of any kind of creative way to push the Green New Deal, and it's probably in this bill. Uh, but it, it totals up to $369 billion just for the energy and climate pieces of it. Would, would that have been a more honest name for the bill, the Green, the green New Deal? Just call it that and be done with it? I do think so, yeah. I think Americans would then understand at least the, the general push of this bill. It, it has nothing to do with inflation and everything to do with pushing either pet projects of uh, certain members of Congress or of activists that are uh, engaged on climate issues. And, you know, I, I, it's amazing to me. It took all of about 12 hours for especially the, the climate activist community to say, and this is just the beginning. We want more. Oh, yeah. uh, so I, I think we can expect this conversation to continue. Yeah. And so what are all these bureaucrats in the Department of Energy and the Department of the Interior going to do to reduce inflation? Adding more bureaucrats, uh, uh, how does that work in Washington usually? <laughs> well, it has nothing to do with reducing inflation. No. <laughs> um, but yes, it creates, I think, another way to look at uh, the energy and climate pieces of the Inflation Reduction Act is it's 
uh, geared towards creating new constituencies that are dependent on taxpayer money or on political calendars for their existence. And, you know, I don't want to, wind and solar bring interesting things to the table. Uh, they absolutely have a place to compete in electricity markets. But this bill ties them closer and closer to tax dollars and being supported by tax dollars. Same with, you know, in, uh, Department of Interior, or Department of Energy employees. By creating uh, a bigger government, you create a constituency that's very difficult to ever uh, decrease, wind down, uh, explain that we don't need this anymore. And so that's another way of saying the, the gravy train is getting thicker and longer uh, and more diverse as far as who is benefiting from it, which is unfortunate when you think about how do we ever unwind this and how do we ever take burdens off of the taxpayer. Um, and you you uh, write in your piece that uh, we kind of went through this with Solyndra. Um, Obama tried that, and we lost uh, about 500, almost, about a half a billion dollars on that one. Right. So one of the uh, programs that the Inflation Act expands is the Department of Energy's loan programs and loan guarantee programs. And uh, Solyndra was an example of a previous uh, attempt to increase those loan programs back in 2008-2009 when uh, the Obama Recovery Act was intended to uh, help the United States get out of recession by way of taxing them more and spending more government money. And we saw one of the consequences of that was this uh, Solyndra bust. Um, And yet the Inflation Act that was just passed yesterday makes those numbers look small. You know, I mentioned uh, the Obama Recovery Act. The energy and climate spending in that bill was $90 billion. What we're talking about here is $369 billion. Um, And with those particular... Uh, Department of Energy loan programs, uh, you can add a zero to what those used to be as well. So we're talking now about $85 billion uh, for the existing programs and creating a whole new Department of Energy loan program that's $250 billion. So the taxpayer liability is pretty extensive. And is there anything in there that's going to reduce the price of gasoline for people? No. <laughs> you know, I think that's one of the more discouraging things about this, John, is, you know, the bill does nothing to address the policy root problems that are, are exacerbating uh, energy prices right now. There are policy choices being made that we could change course on, but this bill does nothing to re- address those. Uh, you know, I think Senator Manchin made a point of saying that he supported the bill because he got a promise from Senator Schumer, we can finally talk about permitting reform. That's exactly where the conversation needs to go, is permitting reform. But I'm, I'm very skeptical that that's actually going to be a meaningful conversation that produces results. We're talking to Katie Tubbs. She's a policy analyst for economic studies and writes a lot on the environment and, and uh, energy at the Heritage Foundation. Um, <clears throat> I saw this just uh, says here that it... it um, the story is on the, at the Washington Post at 3.43, so about an hour and a half ago. Uh, and you were just talking about this, Katie. Here's the headline. Court strikes down ruling that blocked Biden's oil drilling pause. Uh, a federal appellate judge struck down a lower court's decision that it had stopped the Biden administration from pausing the auction of oil and gas drilling rights in federal lands and water, a key campaign pledge in the president's plan for tackling climate change. So that's kind of what you're talking about, isn't it? And that that just happened in the last hour and a half. Right. And you can you can add coal into that mix as well. Coal, oil, and natural gas have all had a big target on their backs with this administration. And uh, access to federal lands and waters to lease uh, for coal, oil, and natural gas production. And uh, the reason this keeps coming up in the legal conversation is uh, activists know how to use vagueness in the laws to throw these decisions into courts and shut them down. Uh, And so that's why Congress really needs to engage on the permitting issue to create clarity such that uh, these kinds of um, opportunities can't be abused by uh, activists who have no, no interest in seeing responsible energy production being accomplished on federal lands and waters. 
And they're promising to reduce greenhouse gases by 40%. Uh, I don't know what, what the year that's going to happen, but um, I'm guessing that it's not going to help people uh, pay their bills and it's not going to make them breathe easier. Yeah, I think this is one of the more egregious oversights of particularly the media, where that 40% number was thrown out there by Senator Schumer and um, advocates of the bill, and there was no scrutiny as to where that 40% number came from. In fact, it includes a lot of assumptions that uh, $369 billion can A, be spent, uh, and B, uh, towards uh, wind and solar electric vehicles within the next seven and a half years, such that we re- uh, get 40% reductions uh, in greenhouse gas emissions. The date, the end date there is 2030. Uh, there's some huge assumptions there, let alone do we even, what, what are the costs and benefits of that? Uh, certainly from a climate perspective, no matter what you think about the climate issue, uh Americans don't get anything for that quote-unquote investment, by which I mean the United States could reduce our greenhouse gas emissions to zero today, and it would basically have no impact on global temperatures by the end of the century. So the we'll bigger picture dead. is... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, what do you get for 40% reductions in greenhouse gas emissions? And I would say you get nothing. Uh, so that's a lot of economic pain for basically no environmental benefit. And you write a lot about electric cars. I saw you had a piece up at the Daily Signal about electric cars. Um, what about all those tax breaks for buying a, a $60,000 uh, electric car? Is that um, who, who is likely to benefit from that, besides the people well, who make the cars and rich people? Right, right. Well, I think you just answered the question yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I think EVs, you know, just like wind and solar, they bring things to the table. They have every right to compete for American business. But as soon as you start throwing uh, taxpayer money or tax favors uh, towards them, you get into all kinds of problems. And I think one of the problems is all three of these, EVs, wind, and solar, they have environmental trade-offs. Uh, they're not perfect energy solutions. Uh, but We've got policy and people talking about them as if they're the silver bullet. Uh, and I think that's where we run into problems because we haven't, we've subsidized these things without taking care of the environmental stewardship questions that they pose. Yeah, and I, I think if people, uh, if you ask the average person, how many, how many uh, people own electric cars now in the United States? I, I, I guess that people would say 10%. Uh, mm. It's one, well. as you point out, it's one percent of the people yeah. in the country have they knock a zero off that and you're correct yeah um <laughs> and, and most of them actually live in the state of california and it's because california uh a subsidizes them in addition to federal subsidies and b california is working very hard to phase out the internal combustion engine and so it's it's reducing options for californians and so of course most evs are in the state of california yeah, they want to have, uh, they're, they're outlawing the sale of, of uh, internal combustion cars in uh, 2035 or 2030. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think it's 2035, uh, but they're also doing things like uh, there's now, um, now or going to be a ban on building new uh, gas stations. Uh, and <laughs> we could go down the list. That'll, that'll be nice. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, and there's a reason that their gasoline is more expensive than basically anywhere in the continental United States, and it's because they heavily tax and regulate gasoline, uh, and that shows up in prices. Yeah, and, and if you have fewer gas stations, that's going to, of course, create um, more uh, demand than supply, and the co- price is going to go up. Exactly. Yeah, the, uh, you know, these are all policy choices. Uh, they don't have to be made, and I, I deeply question the environmental benefits of many of these choices. But uh, the flip side of this is, you know, the founders were incredibly wise in creating a system of federalism, of states that could try yep. all kinds of things. And if you don't like it, you can move. So I you know what? California can be crazy California, and 
we can have states like Pennsylvania that do things differently. Or, or Wyoming or Montana or South Dakota exactly. or, or Idaho. Yeah, hey, uh, Katie, I'm out of time. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you can find your stuff at thedailysignal.com and heritage.org. And uh, always good to have you on. Thanks for coming on again. No, thanks for inviting me into the conversation. Okay, we'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Planned Parenthood says it will spend $50 million to defeat pro-life legislation on the ballot in several states this fall. A patchwork of pro-life bills have emerged in several states, mostly in the South and Midwest, since the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade. Planned Parenthood, beneficiary of hundreds of millions in federal dollars each year, says it will spend a lot of that money to defeat pro-life measures and promote broader abortion rights at the state level. Both sides appear to have been encouraged by recent events as they approach the fall midterms. Pro-lifers by the historic high court ruling, abortion advocates by the recent defeat in Kansas of a bill that would have placed broad new limits on abortion. Bob Agner reporting. The pace of sales at U.S. retailers unchanged last month as persistently high inflation and rising interest rates forced many households to spend more cautiously. Retail purchases were flat. This is SRN News. Charlie Dombeck here from Key City Capital. As a practicing CPA for nearly 30 years, I have found that 80% of your ability to grow your wealth is dependent upon two factors, taxes and investment performance. At Key City Capital, we improve investment performance by diversifying capital into off-market investment opportunities in passive rental real estate and alternatives like asset-backed lending. We recover dollars that clients unnecessarily pay in the form of income taxes, creating a lifetime annuity of savings. We are responsible of passive, affordable single and multifamily residential rental investments, which are located in Sunbelt landlord-friendly states. These investments are the top choices in a rising interest rate and inflationary environment. They represent a store of value protecting your capital from market volatility. Learn how we at Key City Capital can help you ultimately grow your wealth rapidly. Connect with me at keycitycapital.com or give me a call at 817-912-1569. AM 1250, The Answer. Brandon Tatum, unafraid to tell it like it is. Did the FBI have access or have reason to take the passport of a former president? Is this a witch hunt? Are they coming after President Trump because they solely want to ruin his reputation? Or are they coming after President Trump because there's some legitimate there there? I want to hear from you, and I want you to listen to the discussion that we're going to have on this subject on the next Officer Tatum Show. The Officer Tatum Show, weeknights at 7 on AM 1250. The Answer. Whose rulebook do you want to play by, the government's or your own? This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Without a proper estate plan, many families end up playing by the government's rulebook and losing a lot of what they'd intended to leave to their families. That's why Abernathy and Hagerman presents free, ongoing estate planning workshops with attorney Dan Reimer to help you protect what's yours and make sure the government plays by your rules. The next one's happening soon. For details and to attend, visit a-h.law. How long does it take to tackle a home project? With Angie, you could cross it off your list before this ad is over. Just tell us what you need, indoor or outdoor, repair or redesign, and we handle the rest, sending a top pro to get it done. You don't have to lift a finger, except to tap the screen or click the mouse. Plus, Angie is free to use. So bring us your next home project and we'll bring it home. Download the app or go to Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com to get started. I'm Father Don Fisher inviting you to join me for my new show, Pastoral Reflections. I pray that it is an uplifting, inspiring program that will deepen and enrich your understanding of your spiritual journey and most especially open you to the promise of God's indwelling presence. It enables you to know a love that exceeds all others. I hope you'll join me on Sunday morning at 7.30 on News, Opinion, Insight, The Answer. AM 1250 and FM 92.5, The Answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on The Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got The Answer. 
Still hanging on to lots of delays as we try to finish up rush hour, but you're going to be backed up on outbound 51, Lewis Street up to Edgebrook Avenue. On the Parkway West, busy inbound Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Really tied up Parkway East. Inbound Boulevard of the Allies to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Outbound Boulevard of the Allies up to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Busy as well on 28. On the inbound side, Powers Run Road to Fox Chapel Road. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Mostly cloudy skies expected for tonight. We'll see a shower in spots early this evening, then patchy late-night fog with a low of 58. It'll be delightful tomorrow with some sunshine. We'll reach a high tomorrow of 79. Mainly clear skies tomorrow night with a low of 60. Mostly sunny skies Friday. A beautiful wrap-up to the work week. We'll reach a high Friday of 82. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. A few days ago, Donald Trump referred to himself as the most persecuted man in American political history. That may be true if you include only office holders, but I don't know if he comes close to the man who ran his campaign for president. That would be Paul Manafort. He's the author of Political Prisoner, Persecuted, Prosecuted, But Not Silenced. And he joins us now. Paul, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. It's good, good to be with you, John. So uh, before we get to the book, uh, I have to ask you, if, if back in 2016, after Trump had won the election and uh, you were in, they were, he was in office for a while, could you have imagined or predicted that six years later the FBI would be breaking into his house with a search warrant? And not the White House, but his house in Florida. Uh, no, it's beyond comprehension. That's something that happens in third world countries. Mm-hmm. It's not something that uh, the American dem- dem- democracy is known for. It's the first time in its history. And, uh, uh, and But once again, the Democrats are willing to break all kind of historical uh, per- parameters just to get Donald Trump. They made impeachment into a tool of so- a simple majority of the House of Representatives instead of the extraordinary tool it was supposed to be in the founding fathers uh you know intentions and but that's what they do because they're not protectors of our democracy they are destroyers of our democracy and they don't look at the repercussions because they're trying to change our way of life and that's what the woke left has said they've taken over the biden administration they'll soon take over the democratic party in the house when they when the house democrats are a minority in the house and uh and we need to understand that what do you think of the theory that the FBI was actually looking for material that proves the Clinton campaign's collusion with Russia and their attempt to do a lot of what you talk about in your book? I, I don't believe that. I mean, that, okay. that story has been so debunked. Uh, I mean, there is just no basis. I mean, yes, I, they, they, do they, does Hillary still want to promote that lie? Of course she does, because to not promote it means that she admits that she created that fiction uh, and put the country through all that it went through just for her own self-serving political interest. But but no, I, they were fishing. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. They were looking for anything they could get. This this presidential records and archives issue is a canard. Um, they could have. They were talking to the president. They could have. They could have continued to work it out. Worked it out. There was nothing that was as dangerous as. Hillary Clinton's server. I mean, Hillary Clinton's server was infiltrated by foreign enemies of our country. We know that. It was hacked. And on that server were top-secret classified documents. James Comey didn't think that was anything that required any kind of political uh, criminal investigation. Uh, Donald Trump's uh, documents, which he didn't hide, was well, well aware, were sitting in his basement. There was no, they're not being infiltrated by national security uh, uh, hacks. So, you know, it's, this is all a, a, a fake issue. It's the typical issue that the left has taken going back to 2016, where they throw out this big, big lie of the risk to our country and to democracy, whether it's Russian collusion or a phone call to the president of Ukraine or now uh, archived records in Donald Trump's basement. And then they leak anonymously the magnitude of this, this grievous uh, crime to their favorite reporters, many of whom are the same reporters, by the way, that they leaked things to in 2016. Right. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden, lo and behold, stories pop up all over the place using the same words and start talking about not why, but 
this crime has been committed and Trump is going to go to jail. He can't run for president. This is gonna, uh, he's worrying about uh, this, that, or whatever. It's all one big you know, master you know, plan that they have. Is every piece of it you know, gamed out? No, because they all are like to work off dog whistles. And, uh, they, they get it. They don't understand how to jump. And then just a few key leaks to the right people, and they write the stories, et cetera. So they overstepped their bounds this time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have every time. But this time, you know, they've complicated their lives miserably, I think. Um, i got to ask you, I, I, didn't, I wasn't able to read your entire book. I spent the last couple of days reading as much of it as I could, and um, uh, there's some great stuff in there. Um, but right in the introduction of your book, uh, there's a word that you use to describe how the Washington establishment felt about Donald Trump, and I think it describes the situation perfectly, and the word is intruder. What do you mean by that? He wasn't one of the gang. Uh, I mean, in fact, Trump knew almost nobody in Washington, uh, the, and, and the people that he did know in Washington were people who came to New York to ask him for contributions because he didn't pay spend time you know, lobbying the government, working the government. Uh, it wasn't what he was interested, his life was about. So when he announced, and, and the purpose of his candidacy was to, quote, drain the swamp, unquote, you know, first they didn't take him seriously, but then when they, he started to catch fire and they started to pay attention, they didn't know how to deal with him because they knew nothing about him. And, and in some respects, they still don't. This, this raid on his house last week is, a, is further proof that they still don't get Donald Trump. Because if the purpose was to dissuade him from running for president, it had just the exact opposite effect, I guarantee you. Uh, and so his candidacy, and then after he won, they never could figure out why he won. And so the, you know, he was an outsider. Uh, and, and so the dance they did was not very subtle. I mean, they, they did what the woke left does. They doubled down, and instead of just trying to figure him out, they go hard at uh, all the negatives, and they try to destroy him, including his his presidency. Uh, and I talk about all those things in the book, and the reasons why, how he dealt with them. Uh, you know, Trump in, in his campaign in 2016 had as one of his rally cries, "Lock her up, lock her up." But when he became president, he didn't lock her up. He didn't even go after her, because. He recognized the history in our country and the importance to the fabric of our democracy that you don't go after your political opponents. Biden broke that uh, broke that glass ceiling to quote Hillary Clinton uh, last week, and he not just went after a former political opponent; he went after a probable future political opponent. That's and the American people see that and they don't like it. Yeah, and um, and back to the word intruder and what what you said there about how they felt about him, that I'm sure you noticed as when you were running the campaign and and in the early days of it during the primaries, that it wasn't just um, the Democrats who were afraid of someone coming in from the outside and seeing what they do, what what the club does uh, down there, the the uh, uniparty people. That there that, that goes on there. It's been going on for fifty years. So the Republicans no, were just as afraid of him as the Democrats, weren't they? You're exactly right. And, uh, and in fact, I talk in the book about how bringing Trump down to Washington for his first meetings with the House members and the Senate members, and you know, and it that, that I took time for those relationships to uh, to build up, uh, and among the leadership who viewed Trump as a real intruder. Yeah, the, the, it was a very icy early welcome. Uh, I mean, Ryan was not a big fan of Donald Trump. So probably still isn't. <laughs> and, uh, and so when he got the nomination, and I go through this in the book too, you know, well, the first thing he you know needed to start to do was repair the relationships with Washington. But his attitude was, look, I'll build relationships but I'm going to build relationships on my terms because I'm not going to run Washington as president the way they have run Washington uh, over the last 50 years. And he had that attitude after he was elected as well. Um, What's going to be different in 2023 is the MAGA movement is putting more candidates running for Congress than ever before so that the new Congress in 2023 is going to have a very large part of the of the majority 
being Republicans who are committed to the Trump agenda, the agenda that he used as president to protect our borders, make us energy dependent, improve the, life, the wages of all economic stratas. Um, and, and that's going to make Washington a different place. We're talking to Paul Manafort. He's the author of Political Prisoner, Persecuted, Prosecuted, But Not Silenced. You write about uh, the, the, the trying, to, trying to patch up things with the Republicans who he fought hard against in the primaries. Uh, I think in the book, and you mentioned McConnell, you mentioned Ted Cruz. And um, the, during, the, uh, during the convention, I guess it was, trying to convince Ted Cruz to uh, endorse Donald Trump. What went on there? Yeah, I get into the details on it. I mean, we, you know, we after Trump met with the senator, the full Republican members of the Senate in Washington for the first time, we had a sidebar meeting with uh, with Senator Cruz. And at, in that meeting, Trump said, "Look, and this is true, basically of all his opponents, you, know, you were my opponent. While we were fighting, we were fighting. But the race is over. You're not my opponent anymore. You're my friend, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm willing to work with you." Uh, and you know, and he even said, you know, that he had said some things in the campaign uh, against uh, Cruz that he wished he hadn't said. And, uh, and, and it was as close to an apology as Trump can get. But he made the point that, that he was reaching out and uh, Cruz was not ready. I mean, he's a great supporter of Trump now, but at that time, Cruz was not ready. And I walked through what we went through from that, t- that meeting in the Senate to the convention floor because we wanted to have the party be unified and Cruz was a part of the puzzle that was important for Trump's election, his supporters. Um, and most of the supporters were on board, but we wanted that signal sent from the leader of their, of their movement. Uh, in the end, true Cruz gave it. I mean, frankly, he hurt himself more than he, he damaged Trump. And I talk about that, but, uh, but now they're great friends and uh, he's been true. Cruz has been, you know, vital in during the four years of Trump's presidency. He was a loyal member of the team, and uh, and they're friends together. Now, um, when, how early in the campaign, and you worked on a lot of campaigns, you worked uh, on Reagan's campaign and uh, I think first the first George Bush. Uh, um, how early in the compa- campaign did you get the feeling that this hatred and fear of uh, Trump the intruder was going to create problems you never had with other presidential campaigns you had been involved with? Honestly, I didn't see it coming. Uh, I mean, when the first exposure I got to the Russian hoax, the Russian narrative hoax, was the day, the Sunday before the Democratic convention. The Republicans had just had their convention, uh, and Reince Priebus and I went to Philadelphia, where the Democrats were holding their convention, to announce that we were going to be having people there talking about uh, critiquing the what was being said from the podium at their convention, and and Rice and I did a press conference, and uh, in the course of that press conference, a reporter asked me, "What do you make of this this allegation that Mr. The Robbie Mooks, Clinton's campaign manager, made this morning at uh, one of the news shows? I don't remember which one. That the Trump campaign is working is being supported by uh, by by." Uh, Vladimir Putin and is and is working with Russia because they're the, the anointed candidate of Putin. And I looked at the reporter and I looked at Rice and his his eyebrows were raised, my word was just. And then I laughed. I said, "This is crazy." And I said, "If this is what the Clinton people are putting out, then they've already realized that they're lost." Uh, and then I paid no further attention to it until you know sometime in uh, in uh, the middle of August. When this fake black ledger that was came out of Ukraine that was orchestrated by the Clinton campaign, uh, uh, you know, was was released, you know, that was saying that I had received cash payments that were all untrue, but it made me realize that this was going to be this was a campaign theme. It's not going to be just a, a throw throw against the wall issue to see what sticks. And uh, but even then, and I talk about this in the book. I figured once the election was over, most like most campaigns, people would lick their chops if they lost. The winners would would celebrate, and then everybody would go back to, you know, doing their businesses. And the Trump would put a government together. I never expected uh, what happened after the election to happen um, uh, until the dossier. When the dossier finally was released, the Steele dossier, which had all the fake stuff that mm-hmm. Clinton had, had built up for, with GPS, uh, fusion GPS. 
when that came out in early January, that's when I knew, okay, there's a game going on here, and it's not, the campaign isn't over. Yeah. Um, and, and unfortunately, I was right. There's a lot of great inside stuff in the book about that. Um, and we're talking to Paul Manafort. He's the author of Political Prisoner, Persecuted, Prosecuted, But Not Silenced. So what about you personally, uh, Paul? When did you first get wind that um, that uh, you were the number one target and you were going to be for a while? And why? Well, yeah. Originally, in January and, and February, the activity was up in the Congress. The House Intel Committee and the Senate Intel Committee were doing investigations. And again, while I figured, okay, this, this narrative isn't going to go away for a while, I wasn't worried about it from a legal standpoint because I knew there was nothing to it. I knew it was totally false. Um, and, uh, and so it would, I figured it would just take, a, uh, take some time. Um, but when, when Sessions resigned or recused himself from dealing with Russian collusion, that's when I started to say this thing is yeah, going to have some legs uh, because Sessions was put there to make sure that fake you know, news, if you will, didn't become part of the legal fabric of the Trump administration. Um, and when and I knew who Rod Rosenstein was. I had no confidence in him. He was part of what we ran against. Um, and, and so I was fearful of him. And then when the, ch- the, the cry from the Hill started to be special, we need a special counsel, I got concerned. That's when all of a sudden I said, all right, I got to get a lawyer here because, you know, the, even though nothing happened, uh, I'm, I can't deal with this without uh, legal support, legal help. And so around the end of February, beginning of March, I, uh, I started to take it real serious. Not from a criminal standpoint. That didn't happen until there was a special counsel appointed, when Mueller was appointed. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I, I took it seriously because there were too many conspiracy things of Russian collusion that were propping up, and my name was in the middle of it simply because I worked in Ukraine. And everything they were saying about me was false. It was all lies. Um, but it was clearly coordinated because it was popping up in the Guardian and then the Daily Mail and then the New York Times and then you know some of the, the left-wing social media. And they're using the same buzzwords, the same stories, and just like they did with Trump last week, you know, they throw out the big connect, the big story of Manafort's uh, connected to Russia, and then all of the the leaks uh, that give it information that's false. Adam Schiff saying he's got firsthand information that he has seen uh, showing that the Trump campaign and Paul Manafort are t- dealing with the Kremlin. He never had that. Never lied. Never apologized. Never apologized for it either. Um, but that's when I knew that this was going to be a blood sport for the next couple of years. And um, they they got you for tax evasion and bank fraud, and you were sentenced, I believe it was, was it to eight years? Um, what uh, You talk in the book about how shocked you were by your prison sentence and, and by, by having to go to prison. I guess it was immediately, as soon as the, the, the verdict came in, you were out the door in shackles and handcuffs. Well, I was actually already in the in the shackles and the handcuffs because during the the uh, the lead up to my trial, uh, Weissman made up an obstruction of justice charge that was a total fabrication, which I talk about in the book. And the judge, you know, remanded me from the courtroom that day, where because I'd been on home confinement, to to jail, and that was in June of two thousand uh, and, uh, and and eighteen, and I never uh, never got out until. Uh, until 2020. Um, and the charges were all charges that either were things that I'd been cleared on by the government before or were, were, were totally fabricated and based on lies uh, from the person who worked for me who they did get to do a plea bargain and, and who didn't have any evidence either other than his word. And because they had convicted me in the court of public opinion, with this person lying on the stand at all the important inflection points, and I go through that in the book, uh, I was convicted of eight of the 18 charges, and uh, there were 32 charges brought in, in all. Even the judge said, you know, this is obviously a game to squeeze Manafort, from, from the, the judge in Virginia, in Virginia. And he said, you can do what you want, but um, we know, I know what you're doing. 
putting them on notice. Um, because all of that was, they didn't care about me. All of this pressure, including the gag order that they put on me so I couldn't respond to the anonymous leaks, including going into solitary confinement three hours away from my lawyers so I couldn't prepare for my case. Uh, all of that was geared toward breaking me to give them Donald Trump. And, and in the book, I talk about that process in, in a lot of detail, a lot of first-time information. And I give you know some first-hand accounts of the 50 hours I spent with Weissman and the special counsel where they were trying all their tricks to get me to either deliberately say or make a mistake and say something that would fit into their fake Trump narrative, which I never did. Uh, I was I was wary of what they were doing. And I knew what they wanted to do, and I I walked through in the book what the Weissman's theories were, and wh why Trump was involved, what the connections were with Russia, what the motives were, um, and then I and then I debunk all of them and give the real facts. And having the Durham investigation be you know occur during uh, during the last the, a lot of it last year when I was finishing my book, I was able to you know include a lot of those findings in the book which completed the picture that uh of the fake narrative and, and and why weissman was doing what he was doing and you also do a great job of uh describing what just what what a brutal time you had to spend in prison for all this i i don't want to hold you here any longer because i want to ask you two quick questions uh, do you feel vindicated by what's come out about the FBI and the Clinton campaign in the last few months? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like what I was saying now has corroboration. Um, yeah, people aren't going to believe it. I mean, it, it's too much of a tsunami of negative media for me to overcome. But in my own heart, I knew it. Now it's in the public domain. My book says it. And so I am pleased about all of that, yes. Last two questions for uh, Paul Manafort, author of Political Prisoner, Persecuted, Prosecuted, but Not Silenced. Will Trump run in 2024? Will he win? Well, Biden certainly made it a lot easier for Trump to decide to run last week. Uh, you know, and, and I thought before last week that Biden's record was creating the case for Trump to run again, because on all of Trump's major accomplishments, they were Biden's major failures because he changed Trump's policies. So I thought that Trump was leaning towards running. I think after last week, uh, it's, I would be shocked if Trump doesn't run. And I can tell you that if he runs, he will win. <laughs> well, I hope so. I, I appreciate you coming on, Paul. Really good luck with the book. I, I'm going to finish it. But uh, the, from what I've read so far, it's really great stuff. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, John. Enjoyed the time together. Okay, that's uh, Paul Manafort. He's the author of Political Prisoner, Persecuted, Prosecuted, but Not Silenced. We'll be right back. My Pillow is having their biggest sheet sale of the year. This is John Stoggerwald. We've all helped build My Pillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO, wants to give back exclusively to his listeners. The Percale bedsheet set is available in a variety of colors and sizes, and they're all on sale. For example, the queen size is regularly priced at $89.98, but now it's only $39.98 with our listener promo code. Order now because when they're gone, they're gone. The Percale sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. These come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. There's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-716-8087, use the promo code STAG, or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code STAG. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Inflation is soaring. Prices are going up everywhere except Legacy Box. That's right. When our number people wanted us to raise prices, we said heck no. That's un-American. When times get tough, Legacy Box stands strong. Introducing the Legacy Box Inflation Buster Sale. Not $15 a tape, not $12, 9 Yes, just $9 a videotape. We're in a race to save your family's recorded past from the risk of fires, natural disasters, and the decay of time. Don't let this summer's heat age your videotapes, film reels, and fade your photos. Legacy Box saves your memories by professionally converting all your analog formats to digital on thumb drive or the cloud. And it's all done here in the USA. Legacy Box is simple and safe with over a million satisfied customers. 
For a limited time, you can get started for just $9 a tape. Visit LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get our $9 sale. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get our $9 offer. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, I hope you liked uh, the conversation there with Paul Manafort. Uh, I've had people like Paul come on and... I get the impression that they're in a hurry to get off because they've got they're trying to sell a book and they they um, they just want to move along to another station, another market somewhere to sell more books. I didn't get that uh, feeling at all uh, from him, and uh, I, I'm not kidding when I say that you should uh, check the book out if you're if you um, going to the beach or just looking for a book to read uh, out on the porch here this rest of this summer. Um, check it out. It's uh, uh, it's political prisoner, persecuted, prosecuted, but not silenced. Um, it's interesting. I, I, I just was looking up uh, what they said. I wanted to see what they said about Paul Manafort on um, Wikipedia. And they referred to him as a political consultant, blah, 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 and a fraudster. That's how they referred to him. So that's when he said um, you know, that there's been a tsunami of negative media. He has no chance of overcoming that. And um, – uh, it, it seems to me that it was a it was a um, it was an Al Capone situation. They had to get him on something, so they went after him on the taxes, and that always seems to work. Um, and that's what they did. So he survived it. He, well, he he had to go to prison, and it was just excruciating to read what it was like for him in prison. And I mean, it's it's like that for anybody, but. You know, a lot of times you see a guy like him get convicted and you see him let out of the courtroom and you think maybe he's going to uh, a Martha Stewart type prince, uh, prison where you sit around and, I don't know, have a play ping pong and go outside and walk around and in the garden and plant tomatoes. He went to the penitentiary right here in Loretto, PA, um, right, up, right up the road here, Pennsylvania. He was in the... A, a concrete block sitting, sleeping on a concrete pad with a mattress on it. The only thing in the room was the, the bed and a steel toilet. No windows. Two years. They got him. But uh, I think he might still get some... I think he's getting some vindication already. But uh, he may have the, uh, the joy of seeing some of the people who put him in prison... Maybe they're going to get their comeuppance. I sure hope so. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow fan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.